Okay, good. All right. Happy birthday. Well, thank you, yeah. Joe. Yeah, yeah. And to Stacy too. Yes. Which is pretty cute that you guys share a birthday and probably pretty frustrating too. Well, the great yeah, the great thing is we don't truly gift each other because one for her, one for me. We it sort of just comes and goes, unfortunately. Yeah. But this is a big one for her. You yeah, know, they yeah. say forty. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at forty. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I love Christmas. I love the season. I love it for multiple reasons. I'm not big on decorations or gifts or that sort of thing, but I love the Christmas series okay. at church every year, primarily because it always makes me think of God coming to earth in the form of a man. My favorite song, not my favorite Christmas song, my favorite song is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Wow. Because of the line that Jesus was pleased as man with men to dwell. Oh, wow. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Yeah. And that was the the pillar, I guess, of your message today. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Um, God come to earth with, with us. us. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved, loved that as the uh, opening of the message and then moving into the idea of him. It's so interesting you say that would be your favorite song, not just Christmas song, but favorite song. I, I picked you a, a Sir Paul McCartney, A Wonderful Christmas Time. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's more that is uh, a great song. George Michael, Last Christmas. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I know that. Uh, no. I'm gonna go, I'll say, uh, you didn't ask, but I'm answering questions yeah. that nobody asks. <laughs> Welcome to pastoring. <laughs> um, uh, Bruce Springsteen, his Christmas song. Okay, I didn't remember. know there was a thing. Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Okay. So, yeah. That's pretty, has nothing that's, to do with Jesus, though. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Well, I like George Michaels because I just love his voice. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm good. Well, you said at the at the beginning of your message that you had a lot to say and that you might not get the yeah. chance to say all that you wanted to say. Was there anything that you didn't get to say that you wanted to say? Well, I actually squeezed it in. I, I did a little self-edit and cut some things a little shorter. Um, no, when I... Typically when I lead off that way, what I've experienced through my week is I've done a lot of background study um, just to sort of help me in my research or help me in my preaching. Um, but on Saturday night, as I'm refining my outline or something, some of those things are leaking into my my outline. I didn't intend to talk about them. They were just there to help me. Yeah. And a lot of them were leaking in. And, I, and this morning when I was rehearsing, I kept thinking, I gotta say a little bit about this. I wanna say a little bit about this. I wanna say a little, and I was afraid that I would run out of time. Um, so anyways, I just squeezed everything together. Um, I, my fear is that it would sound a little luxury. Okay. You know what I mean? When yeah. you get into the 66 books, 40 authors, 1500 years, ugh, stuff, which is the stuff I love. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted people to see, that was all a setup to get to the metaphor and that's where I wanted to springboard from. So, hope it worked. I, I loved it, I thought it was great. And speaking of metaphors, you mentioned that Jesus calls himself by different metaphors. Yes. Bread, which is pretty hilarious. I, it is. <laughs> Bread, uh, he calls himself a door, he, he calls himself water, a vine. Road, narrow a road. is the one that leads to life, wide is the one that leads to destruction. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's pretty interesting. And it, it, it just made me wonder, do you have like a favorite metaphor that Jesus used of himself? Well, or that's in the Bible about anything? Well, the one that I get to use a lot is um, the one Paul picks up on, the metaphor of a bride and a bridegroom. 
you know, and uh, I get to use that a lot when I do weddings, yeah. right? Which you were married this year, so yeah. you probably know a little bit about that. But um, Paul talks about it being a mystery that if we really want to understand our relationship with God uh, through Jesus, see it as a bridegroom Jesus and his bride, us, the church. And and that does a lot for me. Um, I think I mentioned it at this at the 11 o'clock. I know I did it at the nine, but when we think of that metaphor of bride and groom, um, he could have said uh, in the Bible, uh, God loves you a lot. He loves you a lot he, and he'll never leave you or whatever. But he uses the metaphor of a, a bride and groom to make us think of what that, what, how deep is that love? The jealousy that might come from that love and, and, and on and on it goes, the steadfastness of said love. And, and I'm telling you, it was the wisest thing that God did in, in the Bible was to use metaphor so that we could engage with him in the imagination process of what is he, what is he trying to communicate to us? Because if he would have just listed it like a textbook, I would have memorized it, you would have memorized it, it'd be a fact in our brains. But when he, when he asks us to, what, what do you think I mean when I say I'm the bread of life? It, it goes beyond our head and gets in our heart that way. It has to, yeah. yeah. That's really good. What, God is the best storyteller. Jesus was the best storyteller. I mean, all of that. Yeah. yeah, metaphors, I love it. And and even, I was a little nervous about talking about that, how God intended the Bible to be somewhat vague in some things. A lot of people don't like that. Yeah, well, and I think it's a beautiful part of the Bible um, that when you, when you look at that from the vantage point of it, it is 66 books with 40 different authors, mm. authors over 1,500 years, but you still see this single mysterious story, mm. even though it isn't blatant in all of the places, but when you see it from the big picture woven together, it really is a miracle. It's incredible. And yeah, only absolutely. God could write that. Only story. God can do it. And to me, the bibliology, when you study out those things, my faith is stronger because of some of those things. You know, even in the metaphors, even in the vagueness, for 2,000 years, we've still landed pretty much in an orthodox position about who Jesus is and what God has done through him. Like, it's, it, there's no risk in imagining what is he trying to tell us. There's no risk, I think. I mean, God is leading us, and he does so because, I don't know, it just, it's, it's impressive to me. Yeah, I love it, I love it. Well, let's talk just a, a minute about the wise men. Okay. You brought them up. Like, yeah. who, who are these guys? Yeah, I don't. They're I don't, from the east. Where's we, that? Yeah, we have some ideas about it, but the, the Orient, Assyria, yeah, are just outside of um, Israel, we don't know. Yeah, and how far did they travel? We don't get that really yeah. either. It's kind of a weird thing. It, it, we get this picture that they're. What's the song? We three kings yeah. of Orient. royalty, maybe. Maybe they're kings. What if they're more like Gandalf and Dumbledore? <laughs> Which is a cool idea to me that yeah. these guys are coming to worship Jesus as well. Yeah, they're sometimes called magi, which carries with it the idea they're maybe magicians. Magicians, yeah. As astrologers. Some people say they are looking into the sky. They they seem to notice this uh, star, this mysterious star that showed up, and knew that that was a sign. Yeah. But how did they know it was a sign? Because they are learned and schooled in the old prophecies, and and, and yeah, probably really eclectic individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Which is impressive to me that God is speaking to other cultures in antiquity through different wow. ways. Wow, that's real good. Outside of what he spoke to the Hebrews wow. in the Bible. Yeah. And, yeah. and still pointing to his son Jesus. Yeah. 
it, when you say that, like my mind's going, yes, wow, that, I've never thought of that. But isn't that so like God? Isn't that the same thing that he was doing when, when he's pulling Israel out of Egypt through Moses and, and, and God's a little frustrated with his people. He even calls them stiff-necked and like he's angered with them and wants to even maybe destroy them and start over with Moses. And, but Moses says, but what will the other people think of you? They'll think you're not strong. They'll think you can't do what you said you were going to do. So God has always been on display for not just Israel, right? The Hebrew people, but for the world to see. Yeah, it's so good. It is good. And Christmas is, yeah. What a wonderful opportunity to like proclaim Jesus in the midst of all of the stuff that's going on for the world to see. Yes, and bring hope in the midst of the storm, which I love how you brought the story of Joseph and Mary hmm. having to, while their life is being overturned in the midst of the storm, take the baby or the young child Jesus down to Egypt hmm. to be rescued. And it's interesting to me because God appears to Joseph in a dream. Now, God, as you said, is sovereign, so he can do whatever he wants. Sure. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows how to fix this. But he doesn't choose to stop Herod. Wow. Yeah. All he does is come to Joseph in a dream and says, hey, I've got a, I've got a plan to keep you safe in yeah. the midst of this storm. Why won't he just stop the storm? Oh, God, Joe. I said no hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> We don't know. Yeah. And and it's unfortunate. It's it's sometimes things like that, um, questions like that. Why didn't God stop COVID? If he is sovereign yeah. and strong, he's omnipotent, there's more power in him than anywhere else. Why didn't he stop the storm? Why didn't yeah. he stop COVID from coming through? Why do uh, 294,000 people in the United States alone have to die in the last eight months? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answers. Mm -hmm to that. I know you don't either. Yeah. Um, and yet, even in the midst of those terrible things, God's in that. God's in that. And he gives us shelter, which just isn't, it's more than safety from a physical event. It's more than peace in the midst yeah. of our discomfort. It's the shelter's actually his son, Jesus. Yes. He's the shelter. Yes. He's the ark He's in, the ark. in Noah and the yeah. ark. You know, I mean, yeah. all the people are placed inside of the ark, Jesus, and when the storm came, they were lifted out of it. Wow. They floated on top of it. It's, it's, yeah. He's the Egypt we are carried to for safety. Absolutely. From the destroyer. Yeah. yeah. It's and, incredible. Yeah, uh, Jesus, his story is woven through all of that. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's so great. Yeah. But is there a way to rescue Jesus from a figurine? Mm. You know, that's placed in a nativity scene, that's placed on the hearth or placed on the table that goes there every year. And, and here's what someone drew my attention to this uh, last week is we'll put the nativity scene out, right? And God who's come to be with us, right? Whenever children go up and start touching the pieces, we're like, don't touch that. Don't play with that. Don't be with that, right? Don't hurt, you might hurt it or whatever. Yeah. It, it's the opposite of what the story is trying to tell us. Yeah, no, wow. He, he wants to be engaged with. He wants to be touched in a play and enjoyed and, you know That's what I mean? That's why he came. That's why he came, so he could be with us. And wow. like, we, we sort of, we caricaturize, caricaturize? I'm following. <laughs> you picking up what I'm putting down, Joe? <laughs> We make him to be something other than he is. Wow, yeah. For And maybe it's because that's what we like. We like a God we can sort of handle, yeah. manage. Box away, store, bring out next year, 
Of course I'm a Christian. Went to Christmas uh, service this year, that type of stuff. Instead of letting him be who he really is. There's a song I heard, uh, I'll never forget it, from a youth conference when I was a little kid. Never heard it since. The line is, he's not just a man, he's divine. He's not just a baby, he's the king. Hmm. And we love the picture of sweet baby Jesus in the manger. That's right. (laughs) But what we don't like to think about is the glorious and victorious and reigning and powerful King Jesus who we owe submission to absolutely our lives yeah that the bible says every knee will bow before him and when i read that um, i i think about two people there'll be one who will bow out of reverence you know out of submission right and there will be others that will bow because god will make them bow and they will they will not do so willingly but they will be forced to and i've always wanted to be the one who willingly surrenders yeah so good. Yeah. Me too. Well, and what a what a great thing that the church gets to do to share that message that God has come to earth in a way that we can come close to him and handle him. John first John says we've seen it with our eyes, wow. we've handled it with our hands, and we can come close yeah. and touch this king who is glorious and still be welcomed in. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the, that's the idea. If we can get people um, to see that, to re-see that, to reimagine that yeah. uh, this Christmas. I mean, while they're baking pies, I don't care. I mean, still celebrate, still do all the family stuff, yeah. presents, all that stuff. But if we could lay into that even more so, a clearer understanding of Jesus, um, it, it'll be a much needed uh, shot of hope for us in this ridiculous year that was 2020. Yeah. Amen. I'm glad you're back, Joe. Missed you. Yeah, this yeah. is fun. Yeah. I've missed doing this. You doing good? I'm great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm okay.